You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Here we go. Here we go. And, well, you can give it away to somebody. All right. So, it, it's, you can be really blessed reading the Bible, <laughs> especially, especially if I'm the preacher. All right. Okay, so let's, so just for the benefit of those who weren't here and didn't listen to the podcast, uh, we looked at a particular way of studying the Bible and not just reading it, we looked at uh, a particular uh, way of doing it. We're going to do a similar thing today um, and the reason that we did that is because studying the Bible helps us to understand the will of God in our lives It brings us closer to God and it feeds our spirits. Jesus said in Matthew 4 verse 4, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The message Bible is a paraphrase, but sometimes expresses things a bit more clearly. The message says, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. And I talked about, you know, if you are only encountering God's word on a Sunday when you come to church then you're starving your spirits your spirit is fasting from Sunday to Sunday and you are not nourishing your soul you are not making yourself you know fitter and spiritually stronger and so it's important that we look at God's word during the week so we feed and nourish our spirits we would you know most of us obviously nourish our bodies pretty well um but uh it's not so obvious when we're nourishing our spirits just to looking at something. So it's really important that we nourish our spirits. And God's Word, uh, the Bible, it's, it's not a book about, written about God. It is God's Word to us. And it's God's story from Genesis to Revelation with the climax with Jesus on the cross. So it's all about, the Old Testament is all about predicting Jesus or talking about Jesus coming, setting the scene for Jesus coming and then we have the New Testament. And I highlighted some tools uh, that we've been, uh, that we've, that have been put together to help us do a Bible study. Commentaries, study of Bibles, the cross-reference column between your uh, Bible columns, concordances and internet sites and just about everything is on the internet these days. And I talked about the importance of asking questions. And, and how questions help us to understand, help us to interrogate the text and help us to understand what's going on. Who, what, where, when, why, who is speaking, who is being addressed, all that sort of stuff. And, and then we looked at a particular method of studying the Bible where you take a verse or a small part, one or two verses, and you do observation, interpretation and application. And observation is where you, you interrogate, you ask all the questions, you get all the information, you put it together and then you interpret it, you rephrase it in your own words and then you look for ways to apply that in your life. Because let's face it, you, you could spend a lot of time reading the Bible, but if that's it, what's the point? It's got to have some impact on you. You've got to look for a way for it to apply in your life. So, today I'm going to do something again, 
but we're also going to do a slightly different thing because there are different ways of studying the Bible. And what I talked about uh, last week was um, how you would be reading through your, you know, maybe a Bible plan, you're reading through the year, and as you read, you come across a verse that you think is interesting and you want to explore deeper, and that's the verse that you study. What I'm, what I'm going to look at today is more of a topical type of study and uh, where you come across a topic and you want to follow that topic around in the Bible. So the, um, uh, the asking questions, we'll, we won't go through the whole process, we'll just do it quickly, as we, uh, not like we did last week. So Matthew 7 verse 1, some of the significant questions, which is judge not that you be not judged. Questions are, who is talking? Who's talking? In Matthew 7 verse 1, where it's, who says, judge not that you be not judged? Excellent. Who said, who's listening? Who is listening, talking to? The disciples are part of it. Um, see now, if you had actually looked at Matthew 7 verse 1 like I encouraged you to do last week, you would recognise that Matthew 7 verse 1 is part of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus... Jesus has come, he's, uh, he's begun his ministry and it, be, and it begins on chapter 5 and it says that all the people, the crowds, and it lists just everywhere in uh, uh, that local area from south to the north, east to the west, everybody from Galilee and Jordan and so on, a huge crowd is following Jesus. And so Jesus the Messiah, the, uh, the, 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 the uh, Son of God, God with us, from the line of David, the king from the line of David, he's here, he's talking. He's talking to the crowds and it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And he says in verse 7, judge not lest you be judged. Now I selected this verse because it is one that is often misapplied. And you know, somebody will be doing something, some sort of questionable behaviour, some dodgy behaviour, something that uh, we might even consider quite sinful. And if you challenge them on it, um, they will say, you can't judge me, you're no better than I am, you must accept my life choices. It, there, there's even a song, Don't Judge Me. You know, it is part of our society. People who have never opened a Bible will say, Don't judge me. So, if you just read the text, which is, um, Judge not lest you be judged, that sounds like a reasonable interpretation. Oh, don't judge because you get judged yourself. So this is where you're reading through your Bible, you come across a topic judging and you think, oh, maybe I need to find out more about judging. Because if we look at the text and the, the key word, there's only one key word in that verse, it's judge. It's used twice, telling us don't judge because we could be judged. And if you look up a dictionary about the word, uh, the Greek word, it means to distinguish, to decide, to try, as in a trial, try someone in a trial, to condemn or to punish. Now, as I said, suppose that you decided, okay, I'm, I've got to this bit, I want to know more, what does this mean, this judge? 
What does judging mean in the Bible context? And so this is where it's slightly different from last week. Last week you just looked at the verse and the verses around it and, and you made a decision about what it was meaning. But here you're going to go and do some in-depth study. So if you're going to do a topical study, there are six steps. First of all, you have to choose your topic. Now, in this case, I've chosen it for you. We're talking about judging. But you pick your topic, whatever it is. You look up Bible references. You choose verses to study. And then we're familiar with four, five, and six, the observation where you ask questions, your interpretation, and the application. So once you've chosen your topic, what you do is you list all the words related to it. So in this case, you might have not just judge, but judging, judgment, judges, and you might also look up similar words like condemn or criticise. Now, I've just talked about coming across a word in your regular Bible study, but you might decide just cold to pick a topic and, and work on it for some other reason. Try and not make it too difficult. Make it a small topic. Like, don't pick men in the Bible because that would be impossible to cover. But, you know, you might want to go for men of God or the expression man of God. So limit your study to a single book, maybe, like faith in John's Gospel or praise in the Psalms. Anyway, so you've picked your topic. Then you look up references. Now, I've got a picture of um, a concordance. We talked about concordances last week. And this is the title for judge. And you see after it, it gives some other words that you could follow up. Judges, judge, judges, uh, judging, judgment, judgments, and so on. So that's where you can get an idea of the breadth of looking up different words. And one of the things that's important, whatever Bible you're using, is you need a different concordance for every type of Bible. If you've got a King James Bible, you need a King James concordance. If you've got an English Standard Version, you need an English Standard Version concordance. And so you look up the word judge, and uh, if you look at the next slide, thanks. So if you look to the right of, the sentences are, they don't um, write the whole word out, they try to save space. So where it's got the letter J there, that stands for the word judge. The numbers to the right uh, help, uh, you go, that represents the word that's translated judge. And you go to the back of the concordance and it gives you a definition of what that word means. And you'll notice that, that it, there are different numbers. So the, the word that we're looking at is 3212, but you can probably see a 3215, a 373, and a 1359. They're different words that are also translated as judge. So when you're looking through your concordance, you can look for just the word that you're looking for, or you can look for a whole lot of different words. And you can get uh, online concordances, uh, which is where I got that information about what uh, the word judge meant. So then you choose your verses to study. You want to pull your long list of down to the most important ones, the most appropriate, the most helpful for the topic. So you probably can save time by excluding verses like God judges, because you're only interested in humans judging in this context. So you might want to uh, just delete those ones up. You might read through the surroundings and you might say, no, that's not relevant, that's not relevant, that doesn't help. And then you pick out the ones that you think are really significant. So I've picked out these ones. Uh, Luke 6, which is a similar situation to Matthew. Romans 2 verse 1 where Paul says there's no excuse for judging. 
James talks about mercy triumphing over judgment. And again, who are you to judge? 1 Corinthians 4 verse 5 says, uh, judge nothing. And 1 Corinthians 6 says, uh, talks about having Christian judges. So in the observation phase, we ask questions not of our verse about judge not lest you be judged, but of all these verses as well, which is why you don't want to pick thousands of verses because if you have to ask questions of them, who's talking and what it means, then you're just going to be there forever. But, but so go through, you, you question the verses, you put together your interpretation and you look for an application. Same as before. Just with the interpretation, rather than put it into a single sentence, you might want to make a list of answers. You might want to write a paragraph or just a dot points. But you get the interpretation. So let's look at some of those references to the book of uh, to the word judge. Luke six thirty seven to thirty eight. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you'll be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And then Romans 2 verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, everyone for passing judgment on another. It's the very same things. For judgment, and James 2 verse 13. For judgment is without mercy. To one who has shown no mercy, mercy triumphs over judgment. And then in James chapter 4, who are you to judge your neighbour? So, so far, so good. Matthew 7.1 is not an isolated scripture. It's not the only time this idea of not judging other people happens in the Bible. Matthew, Luke, Paul and James all say not to judge. But if you're in any way familiar with the Bible, you might be thinking, hang on a minute, Paul and James both say some pretty judgmental things. In fact, I can remember Paul in Galatians 5 verse 12 saying about some false teachers that he wished they would emasculate themselves. Who is Paul to judge others like that? And James in chapter 4, in verse 4, and this is, the same, um, this is the same chapter where he says, who are you to judge your neighbour? In James chapter 4 says, you adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? And in other places, James calls his readers foolish, double-minded and arrogant. Wow, how judgmental is that? So, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 1 to 2, may give us a different picture. Or rather, verses uh, 1 to 8 may give us a different picture. When one of you has a grievance against another, does he dare go to the law before the unrighteous instead of the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world is to be judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? How much more than matters pertaining to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. 
Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? But brother goes to law against brother, and that before unbelievers. To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not rather be defrauded? Why not suffer? Why not rather suffer wrong? But you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. So how are we going to deal with this? We have got multiple Bible verses saying don't judge. And here we have got Paul saying um, you've got to have somebody in a church who's wise enough to judge things. Is this a contradiction? Is the Bible contradicting itself? This is where context becomes incredibly important. And I talked a little bit about context last time, but this time I want to really focus intensely on context because when you look at a verse, if you look at it out of context, you can end up making terrible mistakes. You probably uh, know that there's a verse that says, um, Philippians 4 verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. If you paid no attention to the context, oh, I've left a bit out, sorry. <laughs> if you're doing context, what context means is the verses around the text, uh, the chapters around it, the book the text is in, the rest of scripture, they all play a part in interpretation and application. So we've looked at some of the rest of scripture, the book the text is in is Matthew, and so we're going to look at the chapters around it and the verses around the text. Now, so I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, if you paid no attention to the context of that verse, you might end up jumping off a tall building under the misapprehension that being able to do all things means that you can fly like a bird. Whereas if you look at the context, you can see that Paul is actually talking about his ability to be content in all circumstances. So context is critical. So let's look at Matthew 7 verse 1 and then it's context. Matthew 7 verse 1 says, Judge not that you be not judged. And it goes on to verse 2, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And now verse 2 sounds familiar. We've heard similar things uh, before. And a few verses later, in verse 12 of chapter 7, Jesus says something very familiar. So whatever, it's actually... He's, Jesus says, Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. And if we go back to chapter 6, in verses 14, Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And there's definitely a pattern here. If we're thinking about judging, if we set ourselves up to judge others, then we put ourselves at risk of being judged by God using the same criteria that we use to judge others. Let's go back to Matthew 7 and continue on verses 3 to 5. 
Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Picture a log sticking out of your face. People around you would have to duck every time you turned around. And sadly, that's what happens to people who are so critical of others, nobody wants to be around them. When they see them coming, they duck. Gossiping and criticism and backbiting and complaining. That's the consequence of having an unresolved plank in your eye. I knew a lady uh, many years ago now who had significant multiple health issues. She'd actually died once and been brought back to life. She was the most positive and cheerful person I could ever meet. When she went to hospital, half the church visited her every day because even though she was sick in hospital, she was just a pleasure to be around. She spoke positively about life, herself and others and she was not a judgmental or critical person. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that Jesus is saying to ignore bad behaviour. But if we don't look after the plank or the log in our own eyes, we are not following what Jesus has said. The ultimate goal in getting rid of the plank in our own eye is so that we can help others get rid of the speck of sawdust in their own. But we have to do that to make sure we are not being hypocrites. We need ourselves first and clean up our own lives before we try to shape other people's lives. In chapter 6, Jesus warned about hypocrites three times. He said, don't be like those who give and make a song and dance about their giving. Don't be like those who pray and make a big public show of their praying. And don't be like those who fast and let everyone know they are fasting. And this chapter 6 leads into chapter 7 where he talks about don't be a hypocrite, get rid of the log in your own eye before you try to get rid of the speck in somebody else's. What these people all have in common is that they think of themselves first and God and others second. They give, pray or fast because of what they can get out of it. And it's the same with judging. The type of judging that Jesus is against is the one where the judge thinks of themselves first. In fact, this is part of human nature. We tend to do this when we, are, when we ourselves do something wrong because we know that we didn't mean to do anything wrong and we're not really bad people. We are so gracious to ourselves. We are so forgiving to ourselves. But the same behaviour in other people, whoa, go to jail, go directly to jail. Do not pass go, do not collect 200. It's easy to be a Christian if you grew up in a Christian household and have been to church all your life. But it's very difficult for people who are not in that circumstance. One of the other verses that we haven't looked up yet that I selected out of the concordance was 1 Corinthians 4 and 5. 
chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. One of the problems of judging other people is we cannot know what is going on inside them. We know what's going on inside of us, which is why we're so gracious and forgiving. But we don't know what's going on inside of other people. We don't know how far they have travelled to get to the point where they are now. You know, if we've grown up in a Christian house, household, we've been to church all our lives, we may have travelled, you know, I pick whatever unit, 10 units to get to where we are now. But somebody who grew up in a dysfunctional home where the word Jesus was only known as a swear word and they might have travelled 100 units to get where they are now and they may not be as good a Christian as you but they have travelled a jolly sight further. And this is why Jesus says, don't be so critical of others. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know who they are. You don't know what is going on inside them. By all means, judge their behaviour. But do not judge the individual. This picture is both funny and sadly accurate. Jesus is not against us making judgments and other behaviour. The problem with people with logs in their eyes is that they often cannot see they've got a log in their eye. That's why this picture is both accurate and sad. The one pointing out the log in his brother's eye has got a tree in his. Jesus is not condemning judging. He is condemning hypocrisy, criticism, a judgmental spirit. Get your own life in order before you try to fix somebody else's life. In the same chapter, chapter 7, verses 15 to 20, Jesus said, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? And jumping down to the last to verse 20, thus by their fruit you will recognise them. Jesus is telling us to make judgments about the quality of a person's behaviour. By their fruit you will judge them, you will know them. You've got to make a judgment about their behaviour. So judging behaviour is okay, but judging people is not. And the purpose of judging behaviour is to avoid being led astray ourselves not to criticise others. So having got all that information from all those other Bible verses and putting it all together, we now come to the interpretation section. And because we have got uh, interpretation of judges of, of judging from a whole bunch of different verses, it's a bit hard to put it into one sentence. But I've settled on Jesus wants us to avoid hypocrisy and having a judgmental or critical attitude towards other people. We must fix our own lives before we judge other people's actions, but not judge other people. If we don't, we are at risk of God judging us in accordance with the way we have judged others. Now, you're all wise people here and you're all familiar with the Bible. Have I missed anything out? Have I got something wrong? Give me, wake up and give me an answer. No? Happy with that? All right. So then we come to the application phase. So when I look at that, this is what I thought, this is what I got out of it as an application for me 
Uh, you may get something different as an application for yourself. But I said, who do I think badly of? And I had to think about who I might be critical of. And then am I being critical of them or of their behaviour? It's okay to recognise that some is immoral or illegal or not helpful. But whether I think I want to just be critical of them or seek for a way to fix that situation, that's different. If it's their behaviour, how can I help them be better? If it's them, then I should repent and change my ways. If I'm being critical of them, then I should repent and change my ways. So I made a prayer based on the application. Lord, help me not to be judgmental but helpful. Take from me any spirit of criticism and show me how I can build people up. This wraps up my series on Bible study. I've got two summary slides just to go over the last two sermons. First one is selecting small bite-sized passages helps us to learn and remember Bible content. Because if you pick one verse, you study each individual word or the key words in there and then uh, do it over and over again, you lock that verse away, you remember it. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and speak to you through that's one of the advantages as Christians we have. We have the Holy Spirit who can guide us and open up the meaning of the text to us. Reading it over and over, focusing on different parts of the passage helps us to see the complete picture. Ask questions of the text. Look at the context and background, which we did today. Uh, see how the passage fits in with the story of God and select a topic and see where the Bible takes you, which you also did today, looking at different verses with the same topic i remember the purpose in doing this is to grow closer to god the bible is how we feed our spirits and the bible helps us to grow spiritually and to know god and his will for us don't make your spirit fast from sunday to sunday don't starve your spirits and a final important question how can you love god if he is a distant stranger the key part of a Bible study is observation, interpretation and application. Let me pray for us all now.